Hey, what's up, Echo Online community? I'm Andy. I'm the lead pastor here at Echo Church, and I just want to say Merry Christmas. I hope you had a phenomenal week. For those that are uh, new to Echo Church, just let you know what's going on online today. We're going to listen to a song, an original Echo song. I, I'm, we just released it this week. I'm super pumped to watch that and worship to it. Number two, you're, you're going to hear a message from our Redefining Hope series. It's not a message that you've heard yet. And honestly, there's a hilarious illustration. I kind of pranked Christy. You're going to want to watch it. You'll, you'll get a good laugh, I promise. Uh, you might even think I'm a jerk. But And then lastly, uh, you're going to, uh, we're going to take a moment of response. And I'm hoping and praying that God does a work in your home and your heart. Now, the other thing I want to talk about is your generosity. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. We've been able to do some awesome and amazing things locally and globally. A few of those being like giving away 40,000 pounds of food uh, to people in need in the southeast section of Minnesota, which is absolutely mind-blowing. We're a year and a half old, and we've been able to do such great things in 2020 in the midst of a challenging year and also us being pulled out of our comfort zone. It's just crazy. The other thing that I just absolutely blows my mind is we've been able to give over $60,000 to local and global initiatives because of that generosity of yours. And I bring both of those things up because I want, I want to just clearly illustrate that you can tell that this church isn't just about the four walls of a building. In fact, there's so much more than just a building. But at the same time, I feel like if we want to make a lasting and a permanent impact in Rochester, we've got to begin to look for a place to call home. And we're starting an initiative today called Here to Stay. It's our project to find Echo a permanent home. And as we look, I feel like 2021 is going to be our year. And I hope that if we find that building, we find that space, that we will be prepared financially to make that purchase. We're currently in the castle and we love being here. And if that door opens to potentially purchase this building, we may go down that road. But right now it's just a rental agreement and it's bought some time for us to prepare for our future. And I wanna ask you, would you participate in the Echo Permanence Project, the Here to Stay initiative today, December 27th to December 31st? Every dollar that's donated to Echo Church will go to the Echo Permanence Project, our Here to Stay initiative. So I'm asking you, would you ask God? Simply ask God, how can I participate? How can you sacrificially maybe give at the end of this year so then we can find a home in 2021 so we can continue the local and global impact that we've already made? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for Echo Church. I thank you for its generous people. I just ask that you would just impress upon their heart and their mind an amount to give by the end of the year, above and beyond their normal giving, God, that you would do miracles through Echo Church and in Echo Church and into the homes and the hearts of the people watching. In Jesus' name. Amen. Enjoy Echo Online Service.
We're gonna sing a song today that we wrote, um, and it's about the greatest gift that we've ever received, and his name is Jesus. And so we're gonna give him everything that we have in the form of our song today. So Jesus, we love you. We honor you. What a privilege it is to worship you.
is all messed up. The nation is sick. Trouble is in the land, confusion all around. But I know somehow that only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. There's a scripture at the beginning uh, or that last part of Luke 6 that, that says, hey, if you come to me, if you listen to my words and you practice what you heard, you will be able to stand in the midst of the struggle and the waves and the winds. And you just go ahead and put the metaphor figurative component into whatever you want to uh, you know, define it as, as what you feel maybe inside. So the last few weeks, we've been looking at how could we kind of build up that mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical health uh, in ourselves, and then us to, to get together collectively? One thing that Andy and I have learned a lot, even in the past few years, is that mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health all come together. If one is weak, it strains and it pulls on the other. So I don't know if you're looking at your life and even as we're sharing today, you know, just do that personal evaluation and processing of, am I weak in one area? Because if I'm struggling emotionally right now, is that affecting my physical faith, my emotional faith, or my, which one did I forget? Mental faith. <sighs> Got it. I got it. But I just think a lot of times that Who knows? it's it's just that identifying and it's okay not to be okay. You know, we keep saying that line, but it's okay. But it's identifying it is the first step and that awareness and then taking it another step further. Absolutely. And so for the last few weeks, what we've done is the first week we took an assessment and the second week we kind of addressed some mental and emotional uh, techniques uh, we can find in spiritual, uh, in, in the Bible, and you know, how can we apply that to our life? A lot of the issues that we uh, deal with mentally and emotionally is because we won't deal with them immediately. You know what I'm saying? You know, like you have a bad conversation at work and you just let it fester, and guess what? That just messes with you all weekend long. Anybody ever felt that before? You're, anybody sitting next to your boss and you're like, oh, yeah. So today I want to lean in and I actually want to uh, move a little bit beyond just the mental and emotional, but understanding that it all works together and lean into kind of redefining hope and specifically looking at things spiritually. How can we kind of bolster? How can we build up our spiritual being? And so go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 7, verse 18. And the story that we're going to lean in today and try to glean uh, some knowledge scripturally off is the story of John the Baptist, John the Immerser. And if you know anything about John, John and Jesus had this interaction when, while they were in the womb together. And that was his first interaction. They were related. They, they had kind of a, a life together. Uh, and so I imagine John had heard a little bit about Jesus, began to understand who Jesus was. And then Jesus comes to the Jordan one day and looks at John and says, hey, guess what? You got to baptize me. And he looks at Jesus and he says, hey, I am not worthy. I shouldn't do this for you. And that's kind of how the, the whole picture of their relationship is set up. But I want to contextually bring you to what is happening in Luke 7, chapter or verse 18. Luke is in prison. He said some things about the king and his new wife that weren't really acceptable. 
according to the king. And so he threw him in prison. So, so right now, John is in prison. And I can tell you this is Herod's. Herod's prison was no walk in the park. And so if you can just imagine his emotional, his mental, his spiritual being is being affected about, you know, really affected by the place that he's found. And so let's go ahead and just read that story. And then I kind of want to fill in the blank. It says, John, uh, John's disciples informed him about all the things that Jesus had been doing. And then John called two of his disciples and he sent them to the Lord to ask these two questions, which I believe really begin to paint where he is spiritually. He says, are you the one who is to come? And this is where it really gets, this is heavy hitting. He says, or am I supposed to look for someone else? This is a picture of John's faith that is struggling. His spiritual health is at a ultimate low because he's sitting in prison. He's feeling the effect of the emotional and the mental strain there. And he's like, hey, Jesus, I, I prophesied who you were gonna be and what you were gonna come and do. And now I'm sitting here rotting in prison and I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to think and I don't even know really to, where to put my hope. And so he sends his disciples to go ahead and ask those questions. And in verse 20, it says, when the man came to him and he said, uh, it said, John the Immerser, these men said, sent us to you, Jesus. Are you the one who is to come or should we keep looking for someone else? Imagine being asked that question. Imagine Jesus and the things that he's doing and what he had just done. Think about that. The disciples of John came to Jesus and, and shared how there was a little boy that was brought back to life, that a Roman guard had asked for Jesus to come into the house, but then said, oh, well, you don't even need to come. You just need to proclaim my servant well, and he'll become well. This is the disciples that came, or John's disciples came and told John that, and this is the same disciples that are now coming back and saying, hey, I, you know how you know what it is? You, you have, you've had bosses that have come to you and said, hey, would you do this? And you're like, I don't really want to do that. I can just imagine the disciples coming to Jesus going, like, I don't really want to ask you this because I just saw what just happened. But are you the person that you said you are, or what John proclaimed? And in verse 21, it says, right then, and this just kind of puts the icing on the cake. It says, right then, I love how Luke says this. Right then, he was healing many people of diseases, pains, evil spirits, and giving sight to many who were blind. And then Jesus said, he said, go and tell John what you've seen and what you are hearing. And then specifically said the blind, he quotes, I believe it's Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61. He says, the blind are seeing again, the lame are walking. And I'm sorry, the lame are walking, the people are being healed from their skin diseases, the deaf are hearing, the dead are being raised, and the good news is being told to the poor. See, John is coming and he's asking Jesus, are you the deliverer? Are you who I want you to be? Are you the God that I've asked you to be? the perspective that I have. And because Jesus wasn't exactly doing the things that Jesus, or that he wanted Jesus to do, his faith began to struggle. He said, hey, Jesus, I am in prison. Jesus, I am in pain and I have a problem. I mean, honestly, John is sounding quite a bit like my prayer life from time to time. <laughs> Come on, let's just have a moment of honesty. A lot of us, when we pray, it's like, Jesus, I got a problem. Would you fix it? 
Jesus, I have pain. Please make it go away. And Jesus, uh, man, I, I feel like I'm caught in my own little traps. And I think we can learn something in this very moment when it comes to our spiritual perspectives. That I think that when we have a certain perspective about who Jesus is or who we want him to be, and then he's not that person, he's not that God, then our faith begins to struggle. I think what's significant just before we go into some practical things to take away from today is Isaiah 35, uh, verse five, the, the quote, the, the verse that Jesus is quoting, he talks about how the, the blind will see, the lame will walk, the deaf will hear, the mute will speak. And then in verse four, it says, and says, and he says, say to the fearful, say, say to the fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come and he will come and save you. This is the, these are the things that John, or that John prophesied about Jesus, but yet not all of these things were happening to him. So what's our definition of being saved? What does that mean as followers of Jesus? How are we supposed to navigate that? How about this? Isaiah 61 says, he was sent, he, he, he has sent me to blind or to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to, re, to release from darkness, for prisoners, to release prisoners from darkness. I mean, this is John's, my, it's his hope. He's hoping, he's like, I'm in prison and am I going to be released in this very hurtful, problem, problematic scenario? And it continues on and it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. In verse four, I think this is the message that we need to hear. They said that, it says this, they will rebuild the ancient ruins that God will restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruins, uh, ruined cities and have been devastated for generations. See, I believe if we're gonna spiritually redefine our hope, we've got to lean in and ask God, will you begin to rebuild? Will you begin to restore? Will you begin to renew? But before God does that, I believe we gotta get some of the rubble out of the way. And that's what today is all about. As we're leaning into John's story and how his faith is struggling, is how does, what does Jesus say and what could we take away to build our faith? I love the, in Isaiah 61, when Andy was talking about that we will be called oaks of righteousness. We all know what an oak tree is here in Minnesota, but oaks are known to be extremely strong trees. And the type of oak tree that they're talking about is a woodland oak. And woodland oak trees don't just grow and by themselves, they grow in rows, they grow together. And it takes 300 years to grow those type of trees. And then they live for 300 years and then it takes 300 years to die. And so I just love that illustration that we are better together, that it's not just me over by myself, that we're taller and that we're stronger when we're together. And I just, when I, my abstract mind, when I read about John the Baptist being in prison, you know, figuratively speaking, maybe you feel like you are in prison right now. Maybe this year has been a doozy. Or maybe you can look back on your life on when you feel like you've been in maybe a spiritual prison or a mental war or physical, emotional, whatever it is. And I think modern day take for me is who are my messengers? Like I'm not sending human beings like go figure this out and then report back. 
and affecting me negatively, but I can think of Instagram. Maybe you're scrolling and you're like following people or you're allowing people's voices in your life that's affecting you negatively. You're like, well, they're doing this and I can get in that denial. I can get in the comparison trap, anger, resentment. I can have a little Christy pity party. Maybe it's just me. But I just think like we are, we, we are to guard our heart and our minds. Yep. And I, yes, John's in prison. He has all the time in the world and it stinks. And maybe this year you've had more time than you've ever had. And what, what can you do with that? And so I just think that God is calling us to break free. And I just love the concepts of rebuild, restore, renew. We love those R words. You know, when I think of rebuild, it's you're rebuilding something that's been damaged. Like you may feel damaged right now, but God doesn't look at you as damaged goods. He sees the potential. He sees who you are. And he wants to reconstruct your life and reassemble. And it takes work. It takes dismantling. It may look like the biggest mess ever, but there's like, there's so much potential. When I think of restore, you know, we love the word restoration here at Echo. I think of freedom. I think of going back to what it used to be and then what can God do with that? God's calling us to return to something and then repair it and revive it. Not living in the past, but taking that in full restoration. Renew, I think of reestablishing relationships. Maybe there's a relationship you're just like, I'm angry, I'm not gonna deal with it, and you cut someone off. I know I've done that in my life, but God's calling me to renew severed friendship, family members, maybe you're not talking to, but there's a fresh start waiting for you, and God wants you to rejuvenate those things. Absolutely, I think the, one of the key things you had mentioned there is perspective, that sometimes what we do is we gaze, we're looking, and, and we're just hoping, and we, we see something, and we want it, and I think John's biggest problem in prison is his perspective. It's his outlook within him navigating his problem and his pain. But I believe this is where Jesus wants to redefine John's hope. And he leans into John or into the disciples and say this, tell John this, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on the account of me. Really what I'm telling you, what I want to say, the big takeaway is this, is Jesus may not be the God you wanted, but Jesus is the God that you need. None of us want to go through the pain. None of us want to go through the struggle, but all of us want to be the oaks. We all want to be strong. And I'm telling you, God has us in a refining, rebuilding, remolding, a renewing type of time. And you know what? Let's take advantage of that problem. Let's take advantage of the pain. See, Jesus may not be the hope you're looking for, but Jesus is the hope that you need. So what we want to do is just kind of unpack how can we become spiritually healthy today, taking a step towards spiritual life and taking a step away from spiritual death. I think it's time to kind of clean those lenses out. If we're going to rebuild, restore, renew our spiritual perspective, then we just got to have a fresh perspective on Jesus and on God and what he wants to do. There's the author of a book called, and I can't pronounce his name, maybe Shusesky or something like that. It's, it's flee, be silent and pray. The author says this, so much of our anxiety among Christians can be traced back to the way that we misconstrue, obstruct and add conditions to the passionate love of God for us. Jesus's love is reckless. 
But somehow or another, we redefine that reckless love and we want to put it in a little box so then we feel the love that we want to to accept from God. Y'all know what I'm saying? So if we're going to redefine our, uh, uh, redefine our hope when it comes to spiritual, uh, our spiritual perspective our, and having a healthy perspective, then we've got to address, I believe, two major toxic beliefs that we can hold on to as Christians. The first one being freedom, fr- freedom from disturbance. When tragedy strikes, true believers should have real peace. So when we say that statement, what we're breaking down is, I know for me in my life, I'm like, I, I'm in deny, I've been in denial at many points in my life, telling myself I have peace, I don't have peace. <laughs> like, it's gonna be fine, so maybe just not stopping. I have gotten into the trap of staying too busy, um, you know, just avoiding things, that self-denial trap. And I think of a serious one for when, when I, when I was going through something really hard, it was nine years ago, Andy and I had Zion, she's one years old, and we got pregnant and very, very excited. We were trying to have a second baby and at I went in for my checkup, had a heartbeat for my baby, and then I just felt like something's off. Like I had no peace, but I kept like, it's fine, it's fine, you know, and just trying to shake it off. And then my body starts showing me signs that I was losing the baby. I went into a second appointment. They check and they, after a very long ultrasound, they're like, you don't have a heartbeat. So I knew that I had lost the baby and then I had chosen to like lose my baby naturally. So not have a surgery, surgery scheduled. And so fast forward a month into this process, I'm still carrying my baby. That's not living inside me. And there was no peace but I didn't allow myself to grieve and I didn't allow myself to stop. And I'm a hairstylist. And so I had a lot of anxiety that I wasn't facing. I was taking clients full days and I kept having this back thought, like what if I lose my baby while I'm cutting someone's hair? Or what if I'm not in a private home, my, the privacy of our home? And basically I just kept like put, plowing through, pushing through. And I had a full schedule. It was a Thursday And I had my client waiting in the lobby for me at the salon I was working at at the time. And I lost it. It's like the peace. Finally, I was like, there's no peace. I have like, I felt alone. I felt abandoned. I had all these crazy thoughts in my head because I'm still carrying this baby. And I went to my boss. I'm like, I have to go. Like, I mean, I was sobbing and I'm like, you have to tell all my clients I need a personal leave. Like, because I was trying to save my days for when I actually passed the baby. And I'm like, I just have to, I need to mentally and emotionally and physically and spiritually take this time. And I think that often like we think like everything is going to be good or maybe you have a story, but that is like one that just stands out of like, I felt abandoned and I felt alone. And I just kept telling myself like, it's going to be fine. God's here, but it's okay to not have peace. But guess what I had? I had hope. I had that little flickering light of hope, and that's what I clung to. Yeah, I think about the story about Jesus' disciples on the water, and the storms are coming, and the waves are crashing over uh, in the midst of their struggle. My question to you is, did they have peace? No. But I think the struggle is there to be taken advantage of. Now, I'm not even saying that God gives you the struggle. But when you are struggling, when there's a problem, when there's pain, that's when you call out yeah. to God. 
So many times when we read the story of the disciples waking Jesus in, up in the boat, it's like, oh, how dare they have a lack of faith? And Jesus kind of addresses that at the same time, how many are thankful that when we call out to God, we call out to Jesus because we have no peace, because we are in the midst of the struggle, guess what? He wakes up and helps us. And what he does is he stands up in the midst of the chaos and he says, peace, be still. Yeah. Chrissy, I just thought about an illustration, but I need, I need you to help. Oh, here we go. Okay, will you close your eyes? Keep them closed. In the midst of chaos, just, just envision a storm, envision the struggle, envision trying to get and find peace in the midst of the storm. And how sometimes you can almost get there, but when it's actually really crazy, it's hard to find peace. Christy, find peace. I love you so much. How do I look, everyone? <laughs> I love that you wore a hat today. <laughs> Too many times we've had to turn around in our boat because Andy has lost his hat. Oh, how many of you know that there oh, will I be- Oh, I just thought of this. Oh, it just came to me. Leaf how many of you know that there will be a storm later today at home? Will you pray for peace? Yeah. On a serious note, I'll carry on. It is, it's the crying out for God and asking for help, but that's where the breakthrough happens. It's this, it's, a, it's saying, he already knows everything that you're going through, but it's God, this is what I'm going through, and you just spill it out, and I just let it all out, whether it's to Andy, whether it's, you know, Andy's with me, I'm talking to God, but just like that, that's where the breakthrough happens. He doesn't protect us from going through hard things, but the beautiful thing is that he walks through those things Amen. with us. Amen. You can do your, you do your hair, oh, Christy. Oh, yeah. I look like, what's the, what's the ranger, Joe? <laughs> you look like a Canadian Mountie right at the moment, so. Uh, doesn't matter how, I can tell you this, in the midst of the storm and the chaos, if I did this at home, she'd be killing me, but in front of you. That Enneagram is full on today. Enneagram three, it's a beautiful thing. But the deal is this, is it doesn't matter how hard Christy could have been saying to herself, have peace, have peace, have peace, have peace. She would have never found that peace when that storm was blowing in her face. And so if we're gonna be healthy Christians, if we're gonna navigate through struggles, then guess what? It's okay to not have peace, but let us grab onto hope. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. The, the second unhealthy, toxic faith belief is this, is everything that happens to us is good. And that's just not the case. Nope, it's definitely <laughs> not the case. Um, Jordan Peterson, world-renowned um, psychologist, says this quote, don't steal someone else's problems. And I know for me, I have fallen into the trap of getting really fixated on other people, where it's consuming me, and yes, God wants us to care for other people. He wants us to be a friend. He wants us to walk alongside people. But don't let that be your cushion to avoid those things. I think back to 18-year-old Christy. I was living in the dorms, 64 girls on my dorm floor. It's a lot of ladies. We had three bathrooms. It was a situation. We, were in all, we knew all of the things about each other. 
And I found myself end of my freshman year just carrying this unhealthy weight for everyone else's problems. I thought, mm. you know, I'm the friend, I'm the therapist, I'm like staying up for them, I'm checking in. It was college, my friends were crazy, you know, not coming in at night, things like that. And it's like, I had to learn, like there was a lot of things going on in my own life that I was avoiding. And so I think it's easy to fall into that trap. If you're a parent, really hard. You know, I look at our girls and it, I can get really fixated on the things my girls are struggling with. Now, of course I'm their mom, I care, but God is calling me to deal with my things and then I can be a better mom. And I just love this reminder, your current place of struggle is your future place of your strongest hope. Let me say that again. Your so current good. place of struggle is your, is your future place of strongest hope. And I just think that 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 is good and that is who God is. I think what we're trying to tell you is this, is what I'm afraid of is that in the midst of our problem, if we don't pause and deal with some of those emotional, mental strains and spiritual troubles, we're gonna miss the potential. We're gonna miss the potential of the problem. See, I believe a loving God wants the best for us but is grieved when the best is mixed, missed. And what I wanna be as a church and, and as individuals or collectively is I want people who face it. We face our problems, we face our pain. We, we, if we don't have peace, we call out to God and say, save us. See, Jesus looks at John and he doesn't fix John's problem. The end of John's story is his head is on a platter. <laughs> None of us wanna hear that. But I can tell you this, there is an eternal hope that far exceeds our momentary pleasure. God wants to lean in today and begin to do a work in you. And we talked about two toxic belief systems that I think we should address in the midst of the struggle today. But I don't wanna just talk about the negative. I, I wanna just quickly, and you guys can get your phones out. There's a bunch of positive characteristics of a healthy faith. There's about 14 of them. And Nixon, if you don't mind, you can put it on the screen. And if you, I know it's small, but if you have your phone, zoom up and take a focus. But I believe that God wants to begin to instill a healthy perspective, a healthy lens that in the midst of rebuilding, this is what he wants us to rebuild into. As we clean the rubble and say, yes, we've gone through a problem. We've gone through pain. We're gonna allow God to go ahead and instill still positive attributes. In 2 Kings, there's a story about a, a, a widow or a prophet, a, a wife of a prophet who had just died and she went to Elijah and, and she said, hey, how am I gonna survive? I owe all these debts, I can't survive. And, and, the, and the prophet Elijah looks at her and says, hey, what do you have in the house? What do you have remaining? And she, she pretty much said like, Lord, I have nothing. I owe everything to the debtors. But she goes, except I have this small jar of olive oil. And Elisha explains to this woman to go around to her neighbors and ask for all the jars she could collect. And she brought all those jars in the home and began to pour the oil in them. And it said all the jars were full. And when they ran out of jars, she ran out of oil. And I just wanna tell you with that story in mind, some of us, we come here and we've got a lot of problems. 
But I can tell you this, there's always an accept. There is an exception in this very moment that you might feel at the bottom of the valley, but you know what? You still have hope. And his name is Jesus. And today, would you just close your eyes? Would you just bow your head? And, 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 and I just, I want you to just process. I promise to not blow you with a air, uh, with a leaf blower. But as we close our eyes, you know, I want to ask you this is what is in your house? What is in your spiritual, spiritual being? What is left? And I just want to challenge you to use it. Daily, I, I want you to become aware of uh, in the midst of the struggle and in the midst of a lack of peace at moment and in the midst of really bad things happen, I want you to pause and I want you to become aware of God's presence. I want you to reveal your, I want you to review your spiritual room and say, Lord, you know what, what do I have left? And then try to create a sense of gratitude and thanks that, that at least that jar is not quite empty. And then I think that one of the most healthy things for us to navigate as Christians is begin to understand how we feel, to check in on our emotions and, and to have a conversation with God that is real. In all honesty, when I blew that, that leaf blower in Christy's face, Christy, I was surprised you didn't just scream, Andy. And I think sometimes that's what we need to do in our faith when we feel the pressure, we feel the struggles. And then when we come aware of how we feel, we're aware of God's presence. We know what's left in the room. You know what we do? We give that one thing back to God in prayer. And then what we do is we begin to look forward to, to, to tomorrow because hope is what? A memory of the future. And our hope is in Jesus. Some of you walked into this place and you don't have a relationship with God. You feel far from him. And I wanna invite you into knowing God. And it's, we believe it just simply starts with a simple prayer of just saying, God, you know what? I feel the struggle. I feel the pain. I don't have the answer in life, but I know that you will lead me to eternity in a relationship with God. So church, I'm gonna ask that you stand up and can we pray this together and invite those that have never prayed a prayer like this ever before. Christy, will you lead us today? Yes, Jesus, I surrender. I have, I have more, more questions, questions than answers, answers but, but I choose, choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you, you lived, lived, you died, died and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the, the rescue, rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me. me. In Jesus' name, in his authority, amen. Will you just pray for those that need to rework the rebuilding, renew, restore, pray for us today. God, I just come to you right now and I thank you so much for this reminder that you are calling us to not only rebuild, but to restore and to renew, God. Right now, I just pray that you will meet every single person where they're at. And I just pray for that inner life, God to be transformed today, God. I pray for the process of transformation and the process of freedom. I thank you for these just little nuggets of wisdom and encouragement, God. I pray that you will show us that we are not alone, that you are for us. And I pray for whatever storm that the people in this room are facing, I pray that you will just show them that you are there and that you are waiting to help, God. And I just lift this up in your name, amen. This morning we're going to go into a new song that we haven't done yet. But 
I just sense in my spirit that there's some of us in this room that are walking through these waters of, of uneasiness and a storm that we don't know how to face. And let's just allow the grace of heaven to come in this place. Allow it to calm, to redefine some things in our life, to move forward. So all across this room, can we worship together?
Thank you for your generosity. We've been able to do some awesome and amazing things locally and globally. A few of those being like giving away 40,000 pounds of food uh, to people in need in the southeast section of Minnesota, which is absolutely mind-blowing. We're a year and a half old and we've been able to do such great things in 2020 in the midst of a challenging year and also us being pulled out of our comfort zone. It's just crazy. The other thing that I just absolutely blows my mind is we've been able to give over $60,000 to local and global initiatives because of that generosity of yours. And I bring both of those things up because I want, I want to just clearly illustrate that you can tell that this church isn't just about the four walls of a building. In fact, there's so much more than just a building. But at the same time, I feel like if we want to make a lasting and a permanent impact in Rochester, we've got to begin to look for a place to call home. And we're starting an initiative today called Here to Stay. It's our project to find Echo a permanent home. And as we look, I feel like 2021 is going to be our year. And I hope that if we find that building, we find that space, that we will be prepared financially to make that purchase. We're currently in the castle and we love being here. And if that door opens to potentially purchase this building, we may go down that road. But right now it's just a rental agreement and it's bought some time for us to prepare for our future. And I want to ask you, would you participate in the Echo Permanence Project, the Here to Stay initiative today, December 27th to December 31st? Every dollar that's donated to Echo Church will go to the Echo Permanence Project, our Here to Stay initiative. So I'm asking you, would you ask God? Simply ask God, how can I participate? How can you sacrificially maybe give at the end of this year so then we can find a home in 2021 so we can continue the local and global impact that we've already made? 